Lolly Nelson, an educational therapist in Bend, Oregon, has been a longtime smarty. Today, she joins us on the podcast to talk about a challenging case. We chat with her about Johnny, a sixth grader who's twice exceptional with a high IQ and ADHD. We talked to Lolly about so many things, including new tips and tricks of calendaring that we've never shared before, managing expectations through parent coaching and realistic goal setting, how to think about a learner who isn't an accurate reporter of their day, and how to pick battles that would get you closer to your goals. This was so fun for us, Smarties. So if you're interested in doing some one-on-one coaching with one of us, just email us at rachelandstaff at learnsmarterpodcast.com. We love getting to coach other educational therapists and our teams and in coaching calls, and we're so excited to let you hear this work that we do on today's episode. And as a special treat, make sure you listen all the way through the episode because Lolly gives us an update. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 111 of Learn Smarter, the Educational Therapy Podcast. I'm Rachel Cap. And I'm Stephanie Pitts. So today we are super excited to welcome Lolly Nelson. She is a fellow educational therapist. Welcome, Lolly. Hi, everybody. You are a Smartie. You listen to the podcast and you reached out to us. Ooh, I want to say, I'm not even sure it was in 2020, <laughs> realistically. <laughs> Pre-pandemic. Definitely pre-pandemic, and we've been trying to get this on-air coaching call together for a while, but we're excited that you're finally here. So, Lolly, why don't you share a little bit about yourself and who you are and sort of the work that you do? Sure. Thanks for having me. I am an educational therapist that's fairly new to the field. I've been practicing in a private practice for a little over two years, and I see students late elementary through high school that have executive function challenges and ADHD. My prior career was as an occupational therapist for 30 plus years, and my love was really working with young adults that had neurological involvement, so a lot of traumatic brain injuries. And that got me really interested in the brain and the cognition. And the other piece of my background is I'm a parent of a child that has ADHD. So back when she was going through middle school and high school, I really played that part of the executive engineer. And we got into (laughs) considerable homework castles and... After she left and graduated and went off to college, I was just thinking there had to have been a better way to have handled helping her and preserve their relationship. And I think through maybe a Google search, I stumbled across educational therapy and thought, oh, that's what I really need to do because there was nothing really available in my community that was like that. When you told your extended family and your friends, hey, I'm pursuing this field, had they ever heard of it? No, no. Same. There maybe are just a handful of ed therapists in the state of Oregon, and certainly there are none in my community. So yeah, people are like, what? (laughs) What is that? 
But I'm sure you have your elevator speech, and as soon as you explain what you're doing, you have the same conversations we have with people, which is, oh my God, I needed you right when I was in school, or oh, my niece, or immediately they start talking about the people in their life that would have benefited from a therapy interventions along the way. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> This is one of the reasons we do the podcast is because our hope is that at some point there will be a generation of educational therapists who don't have to explain to every single person what it is that they do and who they do it for. And people will just know what it is like physical therapy. Well, that's what's so funny about occupational therapy. I've had to explain my career my entire life. Point. People don't understand what that is either. Like, oh, you're going to find me a job. I'm like, no. <laughs> that's a really oh, interesting point so is that that's a term that we're familiar with in the education world. Yeah. I never thought about it from the perspective of someone who doesn't live this life. That's really funny. Yeah. So you've been an ET for two years Mm -hmm. and it's not often Steph and I get to talk to a therapist in other states, but do you have a community of people that you've turned to? Do you take advantage of study groups? I mean, it doesn't sound like there's that many people to chat about cases with there. I really haven't. (laughs) Yeah. Well, first off, just getting the business going was kind of all consuming. Yeah. About a year into it, I was feeling like I needed to build some community. And that is when I discovered you and Steph. So you became my community. (laughs) And I religiously listen to your podcast every week. But even within my community, There are some learning specialists, and I find that they're more reading specialists. Yeah. I just recently joined a professional women's group, Mm -hmm. and we're all business owners. And so we can just discuss sort of business issues, but nothing really related to, you know, hey, I've got a tough student and being able to toss ideas around with another professional like that. I have not established that. Understood. I think it's hard to, I think Steph and I are some of the lucky ones because we often hear like, Oh, I wish I had a Steph or I wish I had a Rachel. They wish they had that kind of partnership and who knows Steph, maybe that'll be something that we explore hosting groups like that for a mm-hmm. therapist looking for community and have found community through the podcast. We can do something maybe a little bit more formal, like case studies style, but you know, one thing at a time right now, we're just <laughs> launching learn smarter pro again. So let's focus on learn smarter pro, which is our program for people who are trying to launch their practices and want a little more about kind of how to do it. You know, Polly, it's rough that first year. I don't think there's transferable skills to starting your own business. So that's for sure. there's just that. Yeah. But we're excited to be able to chat with you and offer the opportunity for feedback and conversation about your caseload. I know that the clients in my practice benefit from my relationship with staff because she just thinks about things in a different way than I do. So hopefully we can offer that to you right now as well. That'd be great. So why don't you go ahead and share with us? I think there's two clients that you were thinking about chatting about, but why don't you lead us off and tell us how we can help? Sure. I'm going to start by asking you about a student I have who is a sixth grader. He is twice exceptional. So he's highly gifted intellectually and he has ADHD mm-hmm. and he's a challenge for sure. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how best to describe him. He's got verbal strengths, verbal comprehension strengths. He is very creative. He's very 
into video creations and gaming creations and coding and robotics. He's just off the charts. Mm. And some of his challenges are organization, planning, prioritization, self-control, emotional regulation. So he started with me just this school year and it was face-to-face. And I really started just trying to get him more organized and Mm -hmm. get sort of a calendaring system up in place in a planner. And I just was met with resistance (laughs) every step. But the challenge with him, he is just so bright and I call him a little slippery in that he's <laughs> pretty good at lying a lot yep. to everybody. And he does it just so quickly that there's not even a pause. So you're constantly like, wait, what? Wait. <laughs> so, of course, I totally want to believe everything he says. And then I'm like, ah, he did it to me again. Like, oh, So that's been a super challenge. So I will teach him like a calendaring system and then I'll say, so, hey, how's it going? Tell me, oh my gosh, I've been using the calendaring system. It's awesome. (laughs) And then I'm like, well, show me. Mm -hmm. And it won't be filled out. His parents report that it never gets looked at outside of our sessions. So I was saying, even if you update it twice a week in our sessions, that's great. At least, you know, we'll keep plugging away. Yeah. I had started with a paper planner just because I wanted him to actually have it more visible to him when he got his work out. And then we transitioned into the electronic calendar just because he's so techy and he loves that. That's been one issue. Just I can't seem to sell a planner to him, even though we talk about sort of the whole time management component of it and helping him sort of initiate homework and... Mm -hmm. There is an additional challenge now with our virtual sessions. And the feedback has been that he has different computer tabs open during class. And so he's not really attending in class. Yep. I feel like he's got different <laughs> screens open when he's with me and not attending to me. So really working with the parents, we've structured where he's able to do his work. And he has to basically have some degree of supervision Mm -hmm. in order to do that, which has been better. But what's happened is his school portal is such that he can go in and mark assignments as complete. Yeah. I know which portal you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And he'll tell me everything's fine. I'm all caught up. And then again, I'm, well, let's go through it. Show me Mm -hmm. the latent missing work has just continued to explode and he marks it as complete and nothing's getting turned in. Oh, we have so many questions and things to say. I'm like (laughs) writing notes as you're talking, but Steph wants to talk. I see it. Oh, good. Uh, I have a lot of questions. Okay. (laughs) First off, just off the bat, do you have access to his portal? Can you sign in yourself? Yes. Okay. Yes. So do you ever look at it simultaneously? Yes. Like you're looking at your version, he's looking at his version. Yes. And not necessarily at the list of assignments, but there is a way in every portal to go back and look at past assignments and look if teachers have marked it as accepted. Okay. So you know how to, uh, don't you hate the portals, Lolly? I hate the portals. 
I'm not crazy about the portals. <laughs> and the other issue that everybody's running into, right, is how many different websites kid, kids have to link now to find their assignments. Mm-hmm. I am actually glad parents are experiencing this frustration because I'm like, welcome to my world a little bit. Yeah. It's not that that's new. That's how students have been functioning as long as we've been educational therapists, this teacher uses that website, this teacher posts here, and this teacher posts homework, and this teacher never posts anything. And that's how students have been functioning. It's just now that parents are seeing it. Yeah. I have um, teachers that post math and seesaw and yes. language arts and Google Docs yes. and another math assignment in a completely different location. And it's like, wow, what? You take like 15 minutes just to <laughs> figure out. That's why the first 10, 15 minutes of our sessions is just sourcing information because when you have an unreliable narrator of their day, which it sounds like, let's give this uh, sixth grader a name. Let's call him Johnny. All right. Should we call him Johnny? Okay. So when you have an unreliable narrator of their day, you have to go back and recreate because they're not truth tellers. They don't tell the truth about what's going on. I wanted to know, can you see his screen when you're doing sessions virtually? Yes. And does he share the whole screen or did he share one part of it? I don't know. Oh, yeah. You need him to share the desktop so you can see everything that he is doing. And I would not even tell him, just say, I want to see your desktop. So he has to click into that. Your head is going to explode when you see probably everything that he has on his desktop. And then you can spend a little bit of time organizing that. Because what I tell my students is the way their desktop looks is a reflection of what the inside of their brain looks like. Mm -hmm. And so if they have 17,000 things, they just save everything to their desktop, which a lot of students do. And a lot of students do the same thing in Google Docs. It's not organized. They're just like, oh, I can search it. But it's a reflection of how you're functioning and how your brain is thinking when you just have everything everywhere. And so simplifying that will be a good first step. But I agree with Steph that you need to be able to see his whole desktop and it's not a choice to go to something else. And also I want to kind of manage expectations of a sixth grader who's doing virtual learning. It's sort of developmentally appropriate that they go and do things off task and they're in other windows. It's kind of the perfect storm for a kid who already struggles with attention kids who have some sort of learning interference are two to three years behind their peers developmentally. So realistically, we're looking at a third, fourth grader. What would we expect of them? So I love the fact that you've put him in a more public place where he has to have supervision, but not necessarily content involvement from his parents. I think that's a good call if that can happen in the home. And then my other question about him is how much time have you guys spent demystifying his learning profile and talking about what ADHD means? I try to sprinkle a lot of that in throughout my sessions. Mm-hmm. So I will talk about these are your strengths, you know, how your brain works really well. These are some of the areas that are challenging to you. And I try to sprinkle that in a lot. It's interesting because he's so verbal. Yeah. It's such a strength. Maybe I'm chatting a little too much, but I do try to sprinkle it in as much as I can. Devoting a session to talking about what this functionally means as an adult, it's not going away. 
and your main tactic is really avoidance and you get in trouble for the avoidance. You don't get in trouble for the ADHD. You get in trouble for the lying. It's not the ADHD, but you do have to shift how you do things just like everybody else, this is just an obstacle you got to walk through and you got to walk around and you got to figure out what works best for you. And right now this isn't working best. So you're at the tail end of the year. So I'm not sure that this is even a conversation I would have until the end of the year. Cause right now you're still, if you go back to that episode 37, you're still almost in the assessment phase of educational therapy that we've talked about, which is the gathering up of information and trying to put out the fire. What you're talking about with the planner, which is awesome. And I want to spend a little bit more time talking about that. That is really the building phase of educational therapy. It's really the part of the cycle that we walk our kids through where we're building skills. It might just be for right now, you update the planner, you update the virtual planner, you update the task list. I've been doing in these virtual sessions, I haven't even talked to Steph about this, but when kids are behind, we're just putting things in their reminders on their Google calendar. So it just shows up every day and they can't escape it. It's there. Every time I look at their calendar, I can see. And it's awesome because it shows you when you've completed things and they love like checking that it's done. I love checking that things are done too. So I get it. Can you describe that more for me? You're familiar with Google Calendar, Molly? Yeah. I would recommend doing these reminders as an all-day event. Okay. One of the things you can do is you click in like the top part where you create that all-day event, and then you click Reminder. And if your reminder is not showing up on the new event that you're creating, it means that it's just not clicked as a calendar on the left side of the screen. Yeah, it's not clicked on. So you just click it on, and you click Reminder And then it just repeats on your calendar every single day until you mark it as complete. Okay. You can do it repeating. So if there's an assignment that gets assigned every Monday, you can have a new reminder created every Monday. Yeah. Some of the kids, I have them put in an all-day event of when it's actually due as well. So we've got the reminder and you've got the day that it's due in there. I would add the amount of points that an assignment is worth into that reminder, because if you have a five-point assignment, that's not as much of a priority as a paper. Correct. It's just not. And so this is one of the ways we can teach them how to prioritize where does our attention need to go first. That's interesting that you put in points. I usually put in minutes. There's no reason you couldn't do both. Yeah. That's why I love doing the podcast. We've never (laughs) had this conversation about how we use reminders. Mm -mm. So I'm loving that. That's really smart. If you're really focused on teaching time management to that particular learner, for the students that I'm doing this with, I'm teaching prioritization. I'm teaching, like, this is how you make decisions. And their teachers are kind of reinforcing it right now, too. They're like, don't do that assignment, do this assignment, which I totally agree with because it's always the assignment I would direct them to do, too. But they still have to keep that assignment there. It's still not complete. So I have two students that I'm doing this a lot with right now, and they're all just looking to, like, complete those tasks. Also, from a business perspective, it makes it really easy to talk to parents about the progress that you're making because you're like, oh, we had 11 missing assignments and now we have seven. It makes it very documentable. It's very concrete for parents. And so how often are you meeting with him? Twice a week. So if you're meeting with him twice a week, we have kids who only ever update their planner those two times a week that we see them. And so when parents are reporting, he doesn't look at it. Yeah, he's not going to. Mm. That's not what it's about. 
right now. He will eventually trust the process. He's young. This is something that by the end of eighth grade, we want our learners able to do, do their calendar. Steph, don't you agree that by the end of eighth grade? In an ideal world, yeah. And sometimes they're not. But he's in sixth grade. I have many, many, many students who it took a year. But then little things will start happening. It is routine. It is rote at the beginning of every session. Is your calendar updated? Are your things updated? Every single time. And I've added in, is your email dealt with? Because our students don't check their emails. And if they have multiple emails, you got to consolidate that. And this, by the way, Lolly, can take like two sessions, mm-hmm. like getting their emails in order. Oh, yeah. Because they'll have like burner emails and they'll have, this is the email I use for spam. And this is the, and like, why are you signing up for spam things to begin with? That's number one. But they all have it. I have a client who has five different emails. They're all funneled into one. You want to forward the school email if you can. It's not always feasible. The school doesn't always allow it. But that's just another thing that I've added into those kind of things. But it can take a year. But then you see these little nuggets. They'll reach out to you and email, hey, I have a conflict next week. Mm. If your client is the one telling you they have a conflict with your session. Yeah, that's great. You're winning. (laughs) Right. I mean, it could have been the parents saying it because as a sixth grader, the parent would be very involved in the scheduling and the session still, but you'll see these little moments of like, oh, I already added that. Oh, I remembered that right before my Google calendar is already open. Those are little moments that you got to make a big freaking deal about. For sure. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I do oftentimes with students, I do want to talk about his motivation, but mm-hmm. one of the things that I have them do is the beginning of the session say, I want you to put down everything you know about, everything that you remember, everything that you can go through on your own, and then we'll do it together. Now, that means I'm checking for fraud, right? <laughs> Once they put it in, I'm checking for, is this actually accurate? Did they put it in correctly? Is it the right assignment? Is it in the right spot? But they have to start somewhere, right? I want them to start to have ownership over it. But the thing is, is that there's some kids that just don't understand the point of having a calendar to begin with, why their stuff needs to be organized or you name it. But this is where you have to get parents involved and you have to know what his currency is. Right. So What is his currency? Well, we've talked about that a lot. His currency is gaming. Good. The last conversation was, you know, what if you give him 30 minutes of gaming a day? Just because, especially now, that's his social time with his friends, Mm -hmm. and it's an outlet, and that's what he really likes to do. So why don't you build the 30 minutes in as sort of an automatic thing? But the incentive is he can earn additional time for maybe sticking to his plan or the way we had structured it was to look at his current assignments due and he would prioritize those Uh and then he would choose two to three late assignments each day to add to his to-do list and then he would be incentivized with more game time if he got those things done. Does he ever get those two to three, quote unquote, extra assignments done? Well, (laughs) it's not that he never gets them done. It's kind of funny that he will sit there and will create even a weekly plan. Like, all right, let's look at your portal, Mm -hmm. write down each day what is due. 
And then here's your list of late and missing work. So why don't you pick two to three late assignments to fill in? So if you have a pretty heavy day of current assignments, pick some really easy light assignments to fill in. And on days that are light, pick some heavy hitter assignments. And so it's his choice because everything has to be his choice really to get some buy-in. But (laughs) we say goodbye and he's got a great plan. He's done time estimations. He's written a schedule. Never sticks to it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, good job. Yeah. That's exactly the type of work that you should be doing. I would still reduce it to get one thing done. Or here's my question. Is he getting credit for these assignments? Yeah. Is it reduced credit by a lot? I mean, a lot of teachers are giving full credit. Okay. What about also spreading it out? Such as? He needs a weekend day. He needs to do like one assignment every day and maybe he takes one day off a week or just restructuring it because probably by the time he gets to what's missing, he doesn't care anymore. Hmm. I have some other ideas I'm going to throw out you. And Lolly, just so you know, we're not invested in which ones you pick. Definitely not. And you probably need to try many of them. Yeah. Here's another idea. And this is something that Steph and I have done in the past couple different things. The assignments that you know are going to be more challenging for him to complete. Do you start them in session? When we have been addressing these late assignments lately, it is about the entire session, really. Okay. To kind of untangle oh, that's marked as complete. Okay. Click on that. Okay. Show me. Now go into Google doc and show me where it is. Yeah. So it's a lot of untangling. So I would say no. Do you have access to his Google docs? You can log in and see for yourself. Sometimes he shares, sometimes he does not. You got to have his Google logins. Okay. You're going to be faster at finding things than he is. And you can control the screen then as well. And you can say, hey, I'm in this right now. And so I think that's going to be a game changer for you because if he is doing other things on his screen, that's not helpful to you. Even when I have access, I still have kids share everything that they're working on with me. So I have it on my screen also. That's just another added layer. And honestly, Lolly, every time we work on the same assignment, I have them reshare it with me because I'm not going and digging in my email. But look, we're at the end of the year. You need to triage as much as you can. You probably have two, three more weeks, if that, of school. So I also want to make sure that we're spending some quality time talking about if you're going to work with him over the summer and what that's going to look like also. But something else you might want to consider is a lot of the kids who are so avoidant and they're not accurate reporters of their day, they need more accountability than we can offer in those two sessions a week. What we have both done in the past when we have clients like this, there's a couple different options. And it depends on like the parent's financial ability to kind of support this. One option is you can take one of those sessions that you have throughout the week. You can take one of those sessions and divide it into two if your schedule allows for it, rather than seeing him twice for two complete sessions, you do 150, 125, 125 a few days later. I have parents who just want those check-in sessions. I prorate it. And with some clients even now, 
they're killing it because they were in a really good place before schooling at home started. And so I don't feel like a full 50 minutes is appropriate. So I'll be in session with them and I'll be like, you know what? Do you want to check in in two days? Let's just you and I put it on the calendar. As long as the parents are getting their session time, they don't really care how it's used. But that's something to consider is adding in those check-in calls. That was something that Steph started doing. And then I was like, that's genius. <laughs> Our schedules don't always allow for it. When we're in regular times and we're stacked students back to back to back, it's really difficult to fit those in. But right now it might be a possibility. And the reason that I'm encouraging you to think about it is because if you have those 25 minutes, you can use that to just get started on assignments. Hmm. And then what I do, because I'm strict about don't ever go over your time with a client. It doesn't teach them anything for us to go over. But when I get off, I'm like, okay, set your alarm for another 20 minutes. I'm setting my phone for another 20 minutes. And when it goes off, I want you to take a picture of it. And 20 minutes might be too long for him. So start at five or start at 10, whatever you think he can handle. And you want a picture of what he's done. It doesn't mean you have to have a whole back and forth. It doesn't mean that you are reading it for content and to get feedback because our time is how we make money. So don't get into a whole content conversation, but good job. I am super proud of you for even following through because that's really what you're trying to teach him with the plan that we put in place. And he might be more successful because you've launched him into it and it's a short amount of time. I'm going to text your mom or I'm going to email your mom and I'm going to ask her to give you 20 more minutes today because I'm so excited for you. Number one, I am currently getting text messages saying, PE done. Yes. <laughs> Did English right on my screen. Okay. So what I want to know also is, are there any classes that he's doing well enough that skipping those assignments that are late won't impact his grade so much that you might just get rid of them? That's interesting. Yeah. So he, prior to the virtual learning, was very good at utilizing his class time to get assignments done. So he was a student that didn't have a lot of homework, Mm -hmm. but now he's not using his class time effectively. So he's got all this homework. He will work very quickly. There are errors. He's not reading the instructions thoroughly. So he's handing in incomplete work and he'll get 70 out of 100. And I'll say, you know, this really doesn't look like your best work. Let's look at the components that you were missing, or let's look at the components ahead of time so you understand what's being asked. And he'll just say, you know what, I'm happy with my grade. But his parents are making him redo all the assignments regardless of if there's credit, partial credit, or anything. Ooh, no. That's going to backfire. Oh. Yeah. That's not good for their parent-child relationship. I would coach them to let it go. Okay. Yeah. We have to pick our battles here. And that sounds horrible. I understand their approach. Yes. He was assigned this and now we're just letting him off the hook. It's about preserving the family unit. It's about meeting our goals. This is preventing him from meeting goals. And this is a good opportunity to kind of have that conversation at the end of the school year, because hopefully you'll be able to work with him over the summer and do some things over the summer. I love when we get to like have kids over the summer and start the school year with them because this never ending list of missing assignments, we can really get ahead of it. 
you can get ahead of it. And you can also look at what was hard about that assignment. As a child with ADHD, he is working twice as hard for half as much. So it makes sense that he's getting a 70 out of 100. They should accept the 70 out of 100. That's probably 20% better than some of his peers in the same situation. Yeah. That's his high IQ right there. Yes. 70 out of 100 may be good, but it's not his usual. It's okay right now, though. Right. So it's a totally different situation now. It is. So I think looking at that 70%, what did he not do? Is it because it was a silly mistake? Was it because he didn't answer the second prompt in a multi-prompt question? Is it because he didn't do complete sentences? Is it because he just made up the answer? Is it because there's like a million reasons, right? But you, as a therapist, if you can get those assignments and do the digging, you can help teach him going forward what to look for and how to approach it. And I think that's one of the things that with kids like this that I really enjoy starting and doing assignments with because I can see where it starts to get hard and use that as a platform to teach them how to make it easier. What's fascinating is I imagine you typically can dig and find a pattern Stephanie, you just rattled off all these things, and he is exactly all those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's fine, because we're complex people, and the reason is because one student can be all the things, but it's a matter of prioritizing which one you want to start with. Okay. And then this is an opportunity to coach these parents, too. Say, look, there's a lot going on here that we need to take the time to unpack, But if he's exerting effort, we have to be okay right now because it's not always going to be like that. Mm -hmm. But they're going to shoot themselves in the foot by insisting that they parent him the way they would parent a kid who doesn't have ADHD. The ADHD in his house, it's not about lowering expectations. It's just honoring who he is as a person. Are the parents very, very high performing? Mm -hmm, Both. You have to have that conversation with them and almost reflect back to them, parents don't get the opportunity very much to talk to somebody about how they're parenting. Sometimes they don't want to hear it, but they're hiring you as the expert. So it's our job to make them aware of like, look, you guys are both very high performing. You did not experience school the way he did. You can't even understand why he would be okay with the 70%. But for the benefit of your peace in the home, For the benefit of the journey that he is on, which is going to look different from yours, we have to just be okay with certain things right now. There is a pandemic going on. The teachers are giving all sorts of leeway. I actually don't like when teachers accept late assignments. I think that makes our jobs harder because now we have doubled the amount of work. We did an episode, which Steph is writing right now to link in the show notes about the one thing we wish learners would do. And it's really late assignments because it's insufferable for all of us. But we have to just pick our battles with the clients that we're working with. And it's almost our job as the educational therapist to frame what this is going to look like for the parents. Because they don't know. You're the one with the experience. You're the one who has parented a child like this. I don't know how similar your child was, but you've been in the parenting perspective of it, so you can use that to your advantage too if you're comfortable. But I'm so glad we got to the point where 
we found out what the parents were doing too, because it's undermining what you're trying to accomplish. It's quicksand, right? So we have to neutralize it at this point and figure out what's important and what's not. Mm-hmm. And when we figured out what's important, then we can do the building blocks from there. And when you know better, you do better, right? So if there's an assignment and there's several prompts and he's only usually answering the first prompt, you sit down with him and write down two lines of what are you going to answer for the first question? What are you going to answer for the second question? It's written in there already or on a post-it or whatever, or it's wherever he's doing it so that he knows that he's going to write about this and this. That way he doesn't forget that there's more than one prompt. I'm so happy for him that he's at the end of the year because all the reasons that he's avoiding these assignments are the things that you can work on with him over the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's putting your summer plan in place for him. And going back to the coaching the parents thing, that can be uncomfortable. So just a piece of advice in terms of having these difficult conversations with the parents is prepping them. Hey, there's some things I want to talk about, and I just want you to have an open mind when we have this conversation. And then give them time, be like, okay, I'm going to have this conversation. She told me to prep myself and then kind of walk them through what you've observed. And then you ask them what you guys can tolerate. Mm -hmm. Because when you use those words of, can you tolerate him having a 70%? Because if they can tolerate it, they can follow through. Can you tolerate the fact that it's just really just not realistic? And I feel like we're setting him up for failure. He's already failed by not turning in these assignments. And now we're reinforcing that failure again and again and again. And he can never catch up. He never gets the experience of success. And then reminding these parents that the fundamental belief, all students want to please. Mm -hmm. We're not allowing him to please in any way. We're not giving him any sort of opportunity because he still has so much he has to catch up on or redo. We have to find ways to praise him. Because everything he's doing is extra. He's in sixth grade. As he enters into puberty, he will most likely start to rebel if we don't walk this back right now. Right, exactly. And he's in sixth grade. It's okay. Yeah. Yes. It's okay. Let's meet him where he's at. And if he's okay with a 70%, as he gets older, you can't want it more than him. That's what I end up saying to parents, right? It's just not going to work. And so I also sit there when I'm coaching parents and ask them, what is it you really want for your child? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they'll say to be happy or something like that. And if we really get down to the root of them being happy, he's happy with a 70% right now. If we talk about how success breeds success, if he's making a 70 and we're like, great, you put in so much effort, we see you, we see that that was hard for you, next time he's going to want to try to get a 75%. It's the same question that you can ask is like, what do you want for your family life? Well, they want a peaceful home. They want happy memories with their kid. All right, let's move towards that. Yep. Let's move towards creating those moments because ultimately that's what you want him remembering when he goes away to college. Mm -hmm. That's what you want. And that's what he wants. And so it's about pivoting. It's meeting him where he's at so that he gets some praise. So we just did an episode on the productive struggle. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, that was such a good episode. (laughs) So episode 109, we spoke to Dr. Rishi Sriram, and he told us about the productive struggle and how the productive struggle is important 
but it can't be so unattainable that there's no productivity with it. Meaning where he's at and where his struggle is seems like miles away right now. He's never going to reach it. It needs to be within reach, which is why we need to reassess what he needs to be doing and how he needs to be doing it to help him learn how to rise to the occasion. Because right now, yeah, he's going to lie. It's too hard. Because he's failing a lot. The goalpost keeps getting pushed further down the path. Lock that goalpost in, and when he reaches it, he's got to be praised. He's got to get the rewards. He's got to get that positive feedback. They work twice as hard to get half as much, and they get told it's not enough. I'm curious. Is he medicated? Yeah. He is. Do you notice a difference with the meds? I didn't know him before. Got it. You've never seen him not on the medicine. Correct. You know, as he's going through puberty and... You will notice a difference. Maybe it even started before you started seeing him. Maybe it was more effective than it is now. I've had kids who started on medication and, ah, does it help a little bit? (laughs) Maybe. But, like, let's try to find maybe there's a different dose. Maybe there's a different medication that can get them in that sweet spot because it doesn't sound like he's in a sweet spot right now. I think he is. Again, like when he's in a structured school environment, he's got the zone. He talks about it and he knows when his focusing is on. Good. Mm -hmm. I think what has happened is he just is distracted by YouTube and gaming sites. It's sparkly. It's shiny. Right. Do you know that he's been medicated throughout this whole time? I think yes. Confirm with the parents because he's unreliable. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just curious because I know families who've opted not to medicate during this time. So me too. Yes. That would just be something interesting for you to know. But I feel like we've given you a lot Yeah. for him. Figure out how you can set him up so that he is successful. So getting him to use the timers on his own, he's probably not going to do. Knowing that he's not going to do the planner when he's not with you, etc. So all of these things need to happen in session, starting with working on the assignments to figure out what's hard Because the more that we can get him churning out the assignments, so to speak, the more he'll start to figure out what works for him and you'll be able to see what works for him. I don't know that it's a realistic expectation that a sixth grader who's twice exceptional with a high IQ and an ADHD diagnosis, who is not that interested in the assignments that he has to do or understands really why a calendar is so important for a functioning life. Don't know if it's realistic to expect him to do it out of session yet. Okay. The amount of time that you can control are those 100 minutes you're seeing him throughout the week. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you tell the parents that. You're asking for kind of blind faith, but it is going to be a much smoother ride with you involved than with you not involved for them. You could offer some books that they could read. Any Thomas Brown book would be a good one. Yeah. The one thing that I wanted to kind of talk about is when he is saying to you, oh, yeah, I'm using the timer. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm filling out the planner. But then you know he's not. Let's talk for a minute about why he's telling you that. It's because he wants you to be happy with him. Mm. He wants to please you. He does. So it may feel like it's been a contentious relationship, but he's telling you what he knows you want to hear. Yeah. And remind the parents that, too. Yeah. Like, that's huge. That means you've connected. Mm. I set up a code word for a kid actually just the other day 
who struggles with impulses and not accurately reporting (laughs) and, you know, telling me some stuff that's definitely not true. And so we came up with a code word and I'm not going to tell everybody what it is because it's between us. But when she feels like she didn't slow down enough and made a decision or said something or did something that she shouldn't have done or didn't want to do. Yeah. That she can just tell me that because the thing that we are working on is not just preventing lies or anything like that. It's acknowledging when she has. Taking responsibility. I love it. You've made it safe for her to own it. Exactly. So yesterday when I said, did you do this yesterday? She said, no. And I was like, great. Okay. That's absolutely fine. Let's do this together. Let me help you. And she was like, okay. And actually last night, her mom sent me a text message saying she tried to do it. She said it's really hard and asked if it's okay with you. Can she do it with you on Tuesday? Because she asked, absolutely. That to me is everything to start to teach her how to navigate in the world when things are hard. She asked for help, Steph. Good job. Virtual high five. Thank you. I know. It was my one win yesterday. (laughs) Yeah, posted in our Facebook group. Because every week we do a Win Wednesday in the Smarties of the Learn Smarter Podcast Facebook group. Post that in the group. That's a good one, Steph. Okay, we'll do That's it. awesome. But it's a good reminder, I think, for me, too, that sometimes the win isn't the submitted assignment. Oh, yeah. This is where framing it for the parents becomes really, really important. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about why he's lying. It's because he wants you to be happy. Mm-hmm. And he wants you to be happy with him. This is good. It's almost a healthy impulse to lie. It's like, it's what you want. He does care. The kid who's like, no, I didn't do it, or tells you the truth, but doesn't really care about your reaction, that is so much harder to walk that back than the kid who's lying about it. No, this was really wonderful. And you guys truly are the best. We appreciate it. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's so nice to meet you. Yeah, you guys as well. It's been a while in the making, but it's been worth it. Thank you so much. Our pleasure. And definitely follow up with us and let us know how things are doing. Yeah. The way Lolly got on air with us today, everybody, was just by emailing us. So if you want to email us at Rachel and Steph at LearnSmarterPodcast.com, we don't invite every email we get to come on air, but the ones that we know will be powerful and meaningful for our audience gets that invitation. So, and plus, it's really fun for us to have another educational therapist on the podcast. So, Lolly, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way they can get in touch with you? So they can reach me at Bend Educational Therapy at bendbroadband.com. We've already put it in the show notes. So if you're interested in getting in touch with Lolly, Lolly, do you have availability on your schedule? I do. All right. So if you're in the Bend area, definitely make sure to hit up Lolly. Lolly, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today. This was so fun. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate all of your suggestions and I'm going to have to digest all of them and see what I can do. And then in a couple of weeks, when this episode comes out, you can hear it all again. Yeah, for sure. Yes. It'll be great. Yes. <laughs> thanks right. so much. Okay. Thanks thank guys. Thank you. So Smarties, we hope that you enjoyed that coaching call with Lolly. As promised, we recorded this episode back in May, but she recently sent us an email update. So we wanted to share that. 
Hi, ladies. Just a quick update as promised. Johnny ended the school year strong. We discussed changing his goal to getting one to three late assignments done a day, and he did a great job working through his assignments. He didn't always stick to working on the planned assignment, but he always got something crossed off his list, which was great. I discussed prioritizing his work and focusing on his core classes, math, history, language arts, and science. However, he started feeling a sense of accomplishment and crossing things off his list was very motivating for him. Consequently, he ended up getting all his late work done and turned in. It took lots of effort from Johnny and support from the whole team. He received lots of positive feedback and praise from everyone who noticed the increase in his effort and attention. When asked what his obstacles were and what strategies he used to get around them, he stated, one, having a more structured, supervised workstation and routine, two, using timers and creating time estimations, three, creating a daily to-do list, Four, chunking his assignments. And five, the tip on having him share his entire screen with me during our sessions was huge. He admitted that it is hard for him to ask for help, so we will continue to work on this, as well as helping him identify and develop strategies for when he is having difficulty with self-control and attention due to boredom. The distance learning format is really challenging, and I think everyone learned a great deal this spring. Sitting in front of a computer screen all day is definitely taxing, and I know I have to continue to work at keeping sessions interesting, varied, and multimodal. Thanks for your help and guidance. Lolly. Lolly, we are so excited to hear this update about Johnny. Thank you so much for letting us share this update. And also, what Steph and I were talking about, what was really evident in this email was the flexibility that you have shown has really made a tremendous impact on what he was able to do. And many, many years down the road, when he is looking back on all these successes that he has, a lot of that's going to be attributed to the work that you did, but also the relationship that you've built with him. So way to go, Lolly. Have a great week, Smarties.